0: But welcome to church, everybody. Um, I, I saw a, a friend of mine post on Facebook this weekend, who he also leads a church, and he said, "No long weekend formed against us shall prosper." Um, but that's all good. I'm I'm so thrilled that uh, you guys are here and that uh, people also are also getting rest and everything. Um, and I, we've been on leave for two weeks, my wife and I, uh, Lara, and it's been we've been so blessed, so refreshed, and it was so good. And then I just hear all this amazing feedback of like, "Oh, wow!" You know, Sarah preached so amazing, and it was such an encounter with like it was incredible. And full priest of great men, I'm like, Oh, you know, the church doesn't say that when I preach, you know. Like, (laughs) um, but isn't it amazing? I'm like, I should take more weekends off because people are just preaching so amazingly. Hey, isn't that it? Ah, okay, CJ, like, um. But it's a, such a privilege to be here, and I'm so thrilled that we get to raise up people in our church to share God's word. And uh, today I really want to uh, share a message with you called Not Mistaken. Not Mistaken. And I want to talk to people today that have made big mistakes. And if that's not you, well, show us your way. Amen. I'm not, talking about, I don't want to, I'm not talking to people who have like made like, you know, I did an accident and something went wrong. I'm, I'm talking about people who have made mistakes, you know, where you're still kind of paying for your mistakes. Like you were so stupid when you did something. Um, and I want to talk to you today. And what I want to share is I want to open up God's word for us to show you that there is actually a way forward. Because I find that when we make mistakes, we kind of live with those mistakes, and we allow those mistakes to define us, and that we allow those mistakes to sort of craft our walk with God. But I want to set you free today through God's Word to that, that 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 even though you made a mistake, the call of God in your life is not mistaken. God never made a mistake when He called you. He never made a mistake when He saved you. And so I want to share God's word with you around that. So don't let your mistake define you. Let God's love define you. That's where we're going to go today. And so I just want to pray for us. Father, I thank you so much for your amazing grace. God, thank you for a great time of worship, God. Thank you that we can be refreshed in your presence. Thank you that we can lift you up Above every other name, Lord, that God, you are our healer, you are our deliverer, you are our provider, you are our protector, you are our father, you are our savior, you are the one who walks with us, you are the word of truth. And so, Father, today I pray that, uh, that you, the lies of the enemy would not shackle us in condemnation, but that we would find freedom through your word and freedom through Christ today, Father, I pray that today people are going to let mistakes be dealt with, and we're going to find freedom in Your presence in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Good. 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 You guys ready? Okay. For the five of you who are ready, I thought Phil's like I like Phil's like got this influence and he's persuasive. He's going to be the loudest service ever, and there's five people who go woohoo. Like I don't. Let's just pray and we'll close the service. Just joking. So we're going to look at um, Peter uh, in the story of Peter and the experience of Peter, and and hopefully you'll find some resonance with that. In Luke chapter 22, uh, Jesus has had the, the last supper with his disciples. He's about to go to the cross, he's about to be wrongfully arrested and crucified, and And he's having this moment where he's sharing sort of these last teaching moments with his disciples and he's teaching them about leadership. You know, like you should be one who serves. You shouldn't be one who like rules because in the kingdom, those who serve are actually those who lead. And so he's defining a new way to lead, a new way to live, a life of service, not a life of rulership. But then he suddenly turns like almost a sharp left turn at this point, and he singles out Simon Peter. And he says to him, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. And Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny three times that you know me. Talk about a reality check. You know, I'm all in, Jesus. I'm going with you. And and he didn't know what was about to transpire that night. You know, a lot happens even between this moment and the moment where where Jesus is actually crucified, or the next moment we find Peter. And what happens is they go into the, the garden of Gethsemane. They're there, and now Jesus wants to pray, and he's praying for strength. He's praying that, that God's gonna give him the ability to submit to what the Father wants to do, to die on the cross for the sin of all of humanity, so that, he would no, so that God would no longer hold sin against humanity. And he chooses his three guys. He chooses Peter, James, and John, and they go into they go pray with him. And even there, Peter's already failing. They didn't pray. Jesus like, you couldn't even stay awake with me for one hour to pray. Come on, who's tried to pray in the midnight hours, right? If anyone has trouble sleeping, read your Bible and pray. It'll put you to sleep in a moment. I'm just, why? Because there's just peace that comes from God, amen? Yeah. Don't do your devotional in the car. Who knows what might happen? And so, and Peter shows like he's actually there to be a warrior for Jesus because what happens, yeah, he fails in the garden, he doesn't pray, they all fall asleep, but now Jesus is going to be arrested and this mob comes against him. And you know what? Peter is there. He pulls, out, he pulls the sword out and he cuts off a dude's ear. Like talk about dramatic. He is, he is willing to go to prison and to death. Jesus just said to him, this is not the kind of kingdom I have come to build. I've come to build a different kind of kingdom. And Jesus actually submits himself willingly to those who have come to arrest him. And all of the disciples scatter except for Peter. Peter starts following them at a distance to see what happens. And I just wonder if it was that moment that actually broke him. Because he was following and now all of a sudden he's like, okay, so the the." The rebellion hasn't arrived, the, the, the setting us free from Roman rule hasn't arrived, he didn't understand the kind of kingdom Jesus came to build, and he, I would imagine in these hours he's starting to, to doubt what God had said, and so it comes to this moment where Jesus is in the courtyard, and, and Jesus is being tried, and Peter's in the courtyard with all these people, and, and it says that Peter replies to one of these guys who says, aren't you, you know, one of his followers? And he says, man, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know Jesus. Who? Galilee? I'm just here by the fire warming myself. You know, an hour before, he's cutting off guys here willing to go to war. Now he's like, whoa, 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 Jesus who? And it says, just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. And the Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Oh, my hat. Oh, my hat. You've just denied Jesus. And in the crowd, through all the people, his eye is on you. Hey, anybody like Lord of the Rings? Yeah, it wasn't a flaming eye like that, but, but can you imagine that look? And what happens is it says, then Peter Remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him before the rooster crows today. You will disown me three times, and he went outside and he wept bitterly. I don't, I don't know if you've ever wept bitterly. Have you wept bitterly where there's so much pain and agony? The only reasonable thing that's happening is you're crying, and it's not like you know a gentle cry like at the birth of your child. It's an ugly cry, you know, where people are wondering, Fib, is someone, are they okay? No, we're not okay. We are bitter in our soul. And the only way to deal with it is to cry bitter tears. Like Peter was cut to the heart. He had just disowned his Lord three times. But you've got to understand some of the relational dynamics around Peter and Jesus. You see, Jesus Jesus had called him out of his profession. He was a fisherman all his life. He gave up his business. He walked away from his full-time employment to follow Jesus for three years because he was convinced that this guy, he was convinced that he was Lord, that he was the Messiah. In fact, he was one of the only people to declare it before Jesus went to the cross. Remember? He was a close friend. In fact, he was in Jesus' inner circle. When Jesus was, was spending his day off on a Monday, chilling, who was he with? He was with his inner three, James, John, and Peter. He went up to see things that nobody else had seen. He went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. He was the only person other than Jesus to walk on water. Like he had seen miracles. He had seen Jesus raise people from the dead. He had seen Jesus do incredible miracles. He was a friend. He was close and he was willing to lay his life down for Jesus. And so that's why it's not like oh I disowned him just because I you know wanted to get out of trouble he actually chose to write off 3 years of history so that he might not be at the same trial Jesus was at Now the question is what would what would cause someone to make that decision I think that that when he was following him on that way onto the trial, he must have been questioning everything. What have I been following? What did I just give up my business for three years for? Well, we were gonna build a kingdom, we were gonna build an empire, and all of a sudden it's all gone because Jesus is going to be executed now. And have you ever had like that void when you're trying to make big decisions in life, but you're not bouncing it off anybody? and you're in a pit of despair, wondering what the future's gonna be like, and you're like, oh my goodness. And he was alone, there was nobody else around him. That's a sermon for another day, get into a life group. But he he was at a low point, filled with doubts and concerns. He was at a spiritual low point, and he gave in to temptation. He never stopped loving Jesus, Because look at how he wept so bitterly. So he never stopped loving Jesus. His faith was just damaged. He made a huge mistake. And you know what? You know what? I can absolutely relate to Peter's story. I mean, not as that scale. I've never, like, you know, walked with Jesus in the flesh for three years and, like, denied him at his execution, at his trial. (sighs) What a relief. But you know, I, I, I've, I've known what it's like to make a huge mistake. I know what it's like to, to actually walk away from Jesus, not because I don't love Him. Just my faith was at an all-time low. I remember that uh, we, there was this time when I was coming out of school, and there was this prophetic word of ministry, full-time church ministry over my life. and I was full of passion, I still am, but I was like, I was a lot of passion, very little brain. A lot of passion, little grounding. Right and, and it was leading, and I just made mistake after mistake after mistake. And eventually I said, God, I love you, but I can't do this anymore. And I'm going to live a different way. And, and it's like what happens is when mistakes begin to define us, when mistakes begin to rule our thoughts, and we think that this mistake is too big for God to do anything, why do we, we withdraw. There's an intimacy gap between us and God. I know what it's like, and I, I still remember the night I went to this worship, um, worship event because I was trying to, you know, get together with my wife <laughs> before we were married. I don't care why you come to church as long as you meet Jesus along the way. And I remember that night, walking on the beach late at night and just crying, 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 and say, God, got, like, if there's anything that you can do, do with me. I'm yours. I remember those moments. I know what it's like to be where Peter was. And what I found and what I'd like to show you through today is that God's not done with you. Your mistake does not define you. God's love for you defines you. You might have made a mistake but God's not mistaken over his call and his promises over your life. And so I want to give you three things that I think will help in the time that remains. The first thing is this, that Jesus is praying for you. I love that. What a refreshing. It says here, it says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you all, all of you as wheat. I always read that he's, he's, he's going to sift you as wheat. And then I read it last night. I'm like, oh, sift all of you as wheat. We did, Satan actually went to God and said, God, I would love to test these guys and I want to sift them as wheat. And you know what, God allows us to go through a sifting process. God allows us to make mistakes. He is not the great programmer trying to, trying to like, eradicate mistakes. He's actually allowing us to make mistakes because when we get through that period, our faith is stronger we learn something, we grow. God wants to do something with our mistake, make our mistakes actually useful in life. But the devil wants to test you and sift you to show that you aren't able. And so what the sifting as wheat is, because we're not agricultural, right? Our, our, our form of agriculture is going to checkers or pick and pay or Woolies and finding chicken in the freezer aisle. That's as much as we know about agriculture. We live in a technology culture. So what what I checked is like how do they do the sifting of wheat? You know that they gather the wheat and they put it on this like floor. It's called the threshing floor, and they take a flail, which is pretty much a giant nunchuck, and they beat the grain. Like it's like violence. They beat the grain, because what's trying to happen is they're trying to break off the, the, the husk on the outside of the grain to separate the husk from the actual grain, the actual part that you eat, the part that you can use. It's trying to separate what is useless for what is useful, what is undesirable from what is desirable. Okay. And it's a process of beating. I'm thinking sift as wheat, like like the devil's got this sieve, you know, like he's baking a cake. No, it's not that kind of serve. It's a beating with a flail, like wha-bam, bam I don't know if you've ever felt beaten in life. How many of us make mistakes not at the high points, but we actually make mistakes at the low points when we think, if I just get another clap on the, on the, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm out of this. And then what happens is they pick up everything because you can't sit on the floor separating the grain. They pick up everything and they throw it up in the air. And then the wind carries off the chaff, the husk, the outer part, and blows it away. And then it's the grain which is heavier that falls to the ground, and then they collect up the grain. And so what happens is that the enemy beats you, spiritually speaking. And then wants your faith to be like the husk that is blown away. That's what the devil is trying to do for you. But you know what God is trying to do in you? He's trying to help you to realize that you never needed the chaff. You're not, your faith is not a husk. In fact, it is a grain. There is something substantial in your faith, something that's going to be long-term, something that's going to get you through difficulties. And so mistakes are the proving ground of our faith. God tests us. He tests us through fire. That's a different sermon. And I love it that Jesus said, but I am praying for you, Simon. I wonder if Jesus knew the other guys are going to pass his test, but you're going to fail, so I better pray for you. But Jesus prays for us. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 7, verses 24 to 25, it says, But Jesus, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Jesus is always praying for you. He's always interceding for you because the enemy wants to sift you as wheat. But Jesus is praying that your faith might prevail Your faith would stand. You would get through these times, that your mistake does not define you. I love it what Charles Spurgeon writes about this passage with with Peter's testing. He says that it is the intercession of Jesus preserves our faith, which means this. Jesus is holding on to you tighter than you're holding on to him. Have you ever felt like, I just got to have more faith and believe, and I just got to get through this difficulty and believe, and I'm like, stress. You know what? I think we've got to rest and go, you know what? Jesus, is actually holding on to me. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to make big mistakes. But Jesus is still holding on to me. My mistakes don't define me. The, the, the hands that are holding onto you are the love scarred, pierced hands of Jesus. And he's, he's good at not letting go. But we've got to hold on to him. He is praying for you today. The second thing is this take the road of forgiveness. What happens when we make big mistakes? We go down one of two roads. We either let down, go down the road of shame, guilt, and condemnation. We know that road, don't we? Jesus went to the cross, but we need to keep whipping ourselves because we made a mistake. Because I need to feel this deeply, right? We can go down guilt and shame and condemnation. And one of two things happens. When we go down that road, we either draw away from God because shame, guilt, and condemnation, they break intimacy with God. We still love Him. We just don't think we can be in His presence. And so there is distance that caused. You go down that that road long enough, you eventually walk away from God. Because God is there to be close and to be near. The other thing that can happen when you walk down that road is that you don't think you've made a mistake. You know how we get prideful? I didn't make a mistake. I didn't say no. That's just life. And what can end up happening is we harden our hearts against God and we say, it's not a sin. Christianity needs to catch up with the times. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And we can become prideful about mistakes. Well, no, it's not a mistake. I'm just living my best life. You know, my son is nine years old. I asked him, What are you doing? He said, Dad, I'm just trying to live my best life. <laughs> I'm like, Who are you? What about my best life? But you know what I love about Peter? Peter never ran away from God. He actually, whenever Jesus revealed himself after his resurrection, Peter was always there. Yeah. Peter never ran away from God. I just imagine him dealing with guilt and shame. It and actually says in the scripture that Jesus met with him personally after the resurrection. And I wonder if that was just to say, hey, I love you. I wonder. I just wonder. Or we can go down the road that leads to forgiveness. The road that says, Lord, I have made a mistake. I'm gonna own my mistake. Whatever that is, maybe it's an affair. Maybe I cheated, maybe I stole. You know, if Jesus was only saving good people, we would all be in trouble. I'm not saying that those things are like we're cheering those things on. What I'm saying is that God is able to, to forgive us for the biggest mistakes of life. We don't serve a God who's like, who's, who just forgives the nice sins. We serve a God that forgives us of the most disgusting things that happen in our souls. And He will forgive us. Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And that's what I want to lift off you today. That you don't have to make, deal with them and say, I am so condemned. I am such a bad person. I am such a sinner. How could God do anything in my life? I want you to realize that the same grace that saved you is continuing to save you, that condemnation can fall on your life because condemnation is from the devil, but freedom and grace is from the Lord Jesus Christ. That mistakes are not your definer, the grace and the love and the mercy of God is what defines you. You know, it's amazing. Like even me, I'm like, I love Jesus. I'm so, but I But, you know, when I, when I sin, I'm like, oh, I'm such a terrible. And I go into self-loathing. I'm not saying that we shouldn't regret what we've done. But what we should do is realize that God's not condemning us. Because why send Jesus to continue to do the devil's work of condemnation? There is freedom I love it in Corinthians where he says that he no longer holds the sin our sins against us. And that's a powerful thing for us to walk away from. Away with. And the truth be told, some mistakes some mistakes have big consequences. And you can't and, and what God does is he doesn't save us from our consequences. He saves us from guilt and shame. It's often those consequences that he uses us uses to mold us into the image of Christ. Like if you like honestly if you if you if you commit a crime, God will forgive you, but you still have to go to prison. Like, the consequences don't go away. If you commit adultery, there are still very real consequences that you have to face. And you're going to have to deal with that. You can be forgiven, but your life might be different than what you thought. So think about the consequences before you do what you want to do. But what I'm saying is that God can save you and forgive you and restore you and heal you and give you grace abundant that that thing doesn't define you. And you can walk through the consequences knowing that God's going to lead you through it anyway. The last point is this, number three. Number three that God still has a plan for your life. You can make the biggest mistake, you can look Jesus in the eyes and reject Him, disown Him, but He still has a call for your life. There is still a plan for your life, there is still a purpose for your life and we find it in in Peter's life in John chapter 21. Right at the end, just before Jesus is ascended to heaven, You know, Peter says, guys, I don't know. We're waiting for what's happening next. Let's go fishing. They go fishing. They see Jesus on the shore. They rush the shore. And there's Jesus cooking breakfast. If you want to be more like Jesus, cook breakfast for your kids. I don't, you know. But what happens is that Jesus reinstates Peter to his calling. It says this, the third time he said, Simon, son of John, do you... Love me. And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Saying, so he's reinstating him to a position of leadership. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, Follow me. He said, Follow me. He said, Follow me because he still had a plan for his life. He didn't say to Peter, because of that mistake, you're gonna sit forever on the on the bench. And we'll sub you in if we need you. No, he says, I want you to lead. I want you to preach. I want you to feed. I want you to be a shepherd. Your mistake isn't, in fact, hold anything against you. I'm not holding your mistake against you. You are forgiven. You are free. Live out your purpose. So follow me. You know, around that fireplace, Peter served himself, and he denied Jesus. But church tradition would have it that lines up with Scripture that says that actually at the end of, Jesus, at the end of Peter's life, he himself was crucified for his faith in Christ that what began with Peter was a denial of Jesus ended with a denial of self and standing for Jesus. In fact, Peter was so, they say Peter was so bold about it that he didn't want to be crucified in the same way Jesus was crucified, so he was crucified upside down. Because he didn't want to take glory away from Jesus. A transformational shift in his life that I think needed to happen because of the mistakes he made. Humility, grace, revelation. He reinstated him despite his mistake. You and I might make a mistake, but don't be mistaken. God's not done with you yet. The story I want to end off with is a... a, a, a man in the 70s named Chuck Colson or Charles Colson. He was in his cities and he was a an advisor to President Nixon in the US. And I know we don't follow US politics and I get that. But what he was is he was one of, there was this big scandal that broke out uh, called the Watergate. I'm sure you know what Water, you heard of Watergate even if you don't know what Watergate is. And he was one of the, the key people in, in all of that. And um, in 1973, he was so lost without God, he gave his life to Jesus. And he actually made a public statement about his faith in Christ. And nobody believed him. They thought this was all just, you know, trying to like win sympathy. Then in 1974, he confessed, because of his faith in Jesus, he confessed to obstructing justice in that case. And he was sentenced to prison from one to three years. I think he served for seven months. He made a huge mistake. But you know what? He took the consequences of his mistakes. And one of those bold statements he makes is, I can serve Jesus out of jail, and I can serve Jesus in jail. And he actually went to prison for that time, and he started teaching people about Jesus in the prison cells. And then when he he left prison, seven months probably on good behavior, he... um, many people from the marketplace actually came to him and said, hey, we want you to work for us. But he couldn't get the people that were in prison and their families out of his mind. And so he dedicated the rest of his life to building a prison ministry, to preach Jesus in the prisons, to bring academies and higher learning to the prisons, to bring prison reform on biblical principles through the government structures. And today... The prison fellowship ministry, I think, is in like 49 states out of the 50 states. The largest prison ministry in the United States. And in fact, they employ former inmates to serve Jesus in the prisons they were locked up in. Talk about God using a mistake and turning it around for good and turning it around for glory. Your mistake is not what defines you. It is the love of God and the transformation of heaven in your life that actually defines you. God can take your mistakes and turn it around to be a message to people around you, to bring hope, to bring healing. God is not done with you. God still wants to call you. You don't have to let condemnation drag behind you, you can be set free and to serve the purposes of God in your generation. As Romans 8.28 says, He is able to turn all things to the good of those who love Him and according, are called according to His purpose for them. God's got a purpose for your life. The three lessons from Peter's life that I, that I want to leave you with before we pray and close the service is this. Something for you to think about. Are you willing to keep following Jesus even when you fail? Because you will fail. If you haven't yet, you will fail. Because God's, faith, God's faithfulness is able to compensate for our greatest unfaithfulness And it is better to be a follower who sometimes fails than someone who fails to follow. Lessons from Peter's life. That failure is not final. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your grace and mercy today, God. Lord, there's none like you. And we worship you today, God. Father, we bring all of our mistakes before you. Father, I pray that, yes, we've repented in the past, but we still somehow seem to carry guilt and shame and condemnation with us, Father. I pray today, God, that those would be broken off us. That you look at the ugliest things of our life and you forgive us and set us free. You don't hold our sins against us, you don't let our mistakes define us. So, God, today I pray that there would be freedom like a breath of fresh air that people walk away with today because of your goodness and grace, Jesus.